one. We are recording. We. Hello, everybody. Hey. I'm Theo Black. And I'm Sarah Black. And uh, we're here to talk about new movies, or at least relatively new movies. Um, for this month, anyway. Yeah, for this month. And uh, new movies for this year, starting with The Vast of Night, which actually came out earlier this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, which actually came out earlier this year. Uh, but I, I wanted to watch it, but we never got around to it. And then it now it's free on Amazon Prime. Like, it, I mean, if you have a subscription. No, it's on Netflix. The Vast of Night? Yeah. I watched it on Amazon Prime. What are you talking about? Oh, it is on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Okay. I'm just crazy then. You're, you're crazy. I thought it was one of the Netflix ones. It's not one of the Netflix ones. Okay. Well, this is exciting tape. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it and The Vast of Night is directed by Andrew Patterson, which I don't think means much to people because I think this was his first time. And it stars Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. And it is a, so the story is, a, it's a small town. Jake Horowitz, who is Everett, who is Everett, it is the radio jockey. I don't know what he, the night guy. He works at night. It seems not during the day. And um, Faye, who is the switchboard operator for the town, um, working for her mother because she, I don't know, I didn't understand that part of it. But anyway, she operates the switchboard. But Everett is the guy who he come. We start off with him wandering into the. <laughs> yeah it's quick and concise you're doing great keep going <laughs> anyways everett uh is they are running in a the small radio town in new mexico small town those two characters everett is doing his radio show and faye is at the switchboard and she's listening and then suddenly a weird noise happens a low electrical humming and she's confused and then eventually she calls Everett and is like, hey, there was this noise. And he's like, what? Have you ever heard this noise? And she plays it for him because it's also coming through on the switchboard. And he's like, no clue what that is. Let's play it and see what people say. And thus starts in UFO alien type movie. Was that better? That was better. And there's okay. it's it takes place in the 50s. And um... yeah. And does it ever do they ever say like where like New Mexico, right? Yeah, it's a small town, Cayuga or something. They they Cayuga, I think. Cayuga, yeah, because they have the whole. Um, uh, you see it on the high school and stuff like that. Right. Um, and it's the fifties, so there's some of the fifties paranoia stuff. Everett at one point thinks that this is a Soviet thing. So yeah, well, and. and also, it's well, the reason we know it's New Mexico because it's WOTW or something, which is apparently not the correct radio designation, and which I only know because my girlfriend knew that. So, points for her. And I'm curious if they did that on purpose or not. Yeah. Well, you, 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 that's not how we know it's New Mexico. We know it's New Mexico because they say it's New Mexico. Well, we know, well, it helps me remember because I know that the radio designation is wrong. <laughs> good, good. This great. is, have you there's watched... a lot, but there's a lot of states that are west of the Mississippi. So. There are. Well, have you watched the most recent Red Letter Media? No, Maybe not, not the most recent. There's one where, where Mike is like talking about how he remembers who is Ben or who is Arthur. Oh my God, yes, yes. And he's please. like, it's because he's bald or he's not bald or something. Yeah, no, it's, this it's, is one of those situations. It's like he has less of a chance of getting the name right than just randomly picking based on his method. But that's Yes. Uh, um, 
anyways, we, we're a little bit okay. Let's let's zone in here. I don't know what's going on. Our focus is off this morning. At least mine is. <laughs> I know. Okay. But so, you liked it, so you talk about it. I did like it. And I, I liked it too, but you liked it more. I was going to say, I think this is, so this is, it's, it, I don't think we get these as much because I, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Maybe there's just less sci-fi movies or something, but I have a very, there's a, there's a very small niche of what I would consider like a Theo movie. Mm-hmm. And you have a slightly wider niche in the sense that if you get an independent film that's dreamy, that's probably your niche. <laughs> I like the sci-fi. I don't know. Who knows? But it's a Theo movie and like, so it doesn't bother me that like there's some, there's these characters monologuing in different sections, but what's really neat is that like you're just starting out and Everett's wandering around the, the high school gym because the whole shtick is that it's a, there's a basketball game tonight and this is you know small town basketball in New Mexico so everybody's there except mm-hmm. for him because he's the radio guy and Faye because she's has to work the switchboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's almost nobody else who's, like, out and about in the town. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's wandering around the gym and he, like, takes somebody's trombone or something and, like, puts it in a locker for some reason. And, like, he's fast talking and he's he's kind of, like, he's a 50s version. Like, he's a 50s jockey, you know, radio jockey. So, like, he's still got that kind of wheeling and dealing thing, but he's still, like, like, he's, he's you know, he's, like, he's, like, counterculture, but in, like, the mildest way. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of fun. And like, you know, he has to go over here to help somebody with something and they re- they're recording the games over this re- recording and it's all this early tape recording stuff, which is neat to see. And mm-hmm. Faye has this new microphone and rec- uh, recorder. And so she's, they're wandering around doing interviews. Which doesn't really pay off at the end, but it's fine. It's just but it's fine. Of, it's, yeah, it's, it's set up. It's set up and it's kind of neat. And so so they're like friends i guess she's i guess what 14 or 16 or something she's 16 16 and he must be he must be a few years older yeah he's like 18 or 19 or something at least he seems to be and that's kind of a neat little setup because it's not like you know there's nothing the lights are flickering but there's nothing in there that's like oh this is about aliens the lighting's really low it looks a lot like film i don't know if it was film it's really well shot though with the the that this is some kind of twilight zone thing. So you're already kind of primed for that kind of thing by That's the... true. The, the whole shtick, the, 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 the intro is like as if it were an episode of Paradox Theater, which is their version of the Twilight Zone, which I've never seen the Twilight Zone. I should really see those. You should really see that. It's not my kind of thing necessarily, but you should see it. I should. Um, and so it's kind of a neat setup with, with the Paradox Theater, with them wandering around the gym. It looks really good. You know, and it's 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 a really like well composed setup, and people wandering around and talking, you know, like talking down and up, you know, it's all that stuff. And then it it kind of isn't as good as that opener, really. I, I've I've seen a few reviews that are basically like the first twenty minutes are great, and then it kind of falls off after there. I think I'd agree with that. Like, I still really liked it, but after that, you then get Faye operating the switchboard and Everett on the radio. And he's, you know, here's music we're playing and she's, you know, then she starts investigating the noise. She gets a call from somebody who's like saying they see something and they're like going to hide in the cellar. And so that's kind of interesting. And it's like, she doesn't really react that hard, harshly to that. Like that would be like, what, you're hiding in the cellar? That, that feels like it would be more, but yeah. I guess this is the 50s. So they're like, oh, just some people being weird, you know, who knows? Yeah. As we discussed, the 50s were a horrible, horrible time. <laughs> yes. Um, and so like, that's kind of neat. And then within minutes of that, you know, they play the sound on the radio and we get Billy calling in 
um, to the radio station to talk about like his experience in the military and how he's sick and how he mm-hmm. saw these, these, you know, aliens or what they think, you know, they don't call them aliens, but they, you know, this is, I saw this ship and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just Billy talking on the radio. It's, it is, it's that problem where it's like, we're in a room, nothing is changing. We're just listening to someone monologuing. It's basically a play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a play. Ori- <laughs> oh, Luna. It, w- it wasn't a play originally or anything, but it feels kind of like a play, or I think you called it a radio play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it kind of is a radio play. And like, I don't she's like right next to the microphone so she's just like it's it's attack of the of the luna monster this cat will not be satiated um and so it's like it's it's really fun like it's really it's almost like a lovecraft story except as a movie but not related to lovecraft in any way because lovecraft stories are always like i I, then i found in this diary this passage and then it's the passage from the diary and then i looked at this news article and then it's the news article like this is lovecraft done as a movie and so kind of but there is a tradition of the radio show there is like we've seen pontypool is the one i usually think of it's um a zombie movie uh where he's a radio jockey um I mean, we've definitely seen it that that kind of thing before. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of going the long way around of saying like, even though it's just Billy narrating, and then later it's just this character Mabel narrating. I mean, they're not narrating; they're just their dialogue. It's like it, you're listening to a storyteller tell a story, and that it's like it's that whole. I mean, it's a caveman thing or something where you're like around a fire and you're listening to someone tell the story. Like mm-hmm. it's that aspect, except that it looks pretty and everything's dark and it's not well lit. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So like, even though there's not a lot happening on screen, and I can understand why any number of people would be bored by that, I was just encapsulated by like, oh, and then what happened next? And your son, tell me about it. Yeah, you know, it it's. This is really, and it feels kind of, it's not really authentic or anything. This movie doesn't feel real, but like that aspect feels authentic, like really with alien stories. And, you know, I'm somebody who wants to believe, but doesn't believe, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I enjoy the the stories we have, even if I don't really, you know, know, you know there's no truth out there for me. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to go on our stories in general, you know, only in recent years have there really been anything at all that seems to be some sort of video footage of something right if, if at all so like right. it it's somebody telling you a story and you kind of just have to believe them and oh go ahead oh no finish your thought oh and there's a whole part about in the telling of these stories and this relates to real life like these people aren't people you're going to listen to billy says like well people haven't listened to me because i'm black mm-hmm. mabel says people haven't listened to me because i was a single mother you know with she a didn't bastard. say that but you know that she's a single mother billy explicitly you, says people don't listen to me because i'm black mabel right. doesn't say that mabel but doesn't she is a single say, mother so there's there's obviously but, some subtext there a single mother who had a child out of wedlock and again yeah. this is the 50s yeah. and even you know there's a whole there's different things we realize later and it almost seems to hit you on the head once you notice it or at least it did for me because I didn't notice it until later but like nobody ever keeps talking about how there's nobody listening to the radio because they're all at the game right Faye you know Everett isn't really listening to Faye and like mm-hmm. when he's taking around for interviews and they're not really listening to the interview ease and in the beginning Everett's like talking to this lady at the gym right there's like, well, this nobody- older woman who just keeps saying that no one's listening to her she says it like five or six times it's funny it's funny and it's it's i really like that those two things are connected they're doing this this sort of 
it's all these stories. There's no evidence. There's no whatever. It's just people talking about their experience and no one's listening to me because that goes well, both because it's an alien story and nobody necessarily listens to people who talk about aliens, but also because it's like these, there's, there's a famous couple. Uh, um, Betty and Barney Hill. Betty and Barney Hill, who are like one of the more famous cases of saying they were abducted by aliens and Barney was black and Betty was white. And so as a mixed race couple in, I think the sixties, were they the sixties or the seventies? I'll look it up real quick. Yeah. Like people were less likely to listen to them probably because like, oh no, they're mixed race and people are stupid. But 61. 61. So sixties. And so like, there's, there's, there's some, it's not like, this isn't the deepest movie. This isn't the, the most complex thing, but it's just kind of nicely, like it's, it's, it's not as simple as a Marvel movie or something in terms of like story structure and, and story, but it's not as complex as Black Bear or something, you know, it's, it's kind of in the middle there. And I just appreciate the way all these things weave together and like, oh, that's, that's fun. They did that well, you know? Yeah, well, I agree with you. I liked it primarily because I like that kind of story and it's not badly done. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, the whole hearing thing, because, I mean, it is, it, if you say you've been abducted by aliens, for the most part, people aren't going to believe you. Um, right. And that's just the way it is. Like, it's, you'll be, people will suspect there's some kind of psychological issue or so on. Um, yeah. Or people will believe you, and there are people who just already believe in that kind of thing. So it's an interesting, you know, I mean, I'm with you in that. I mean, we need evidence of things for a reason, but yeah. it's also interesting to me how often we're willing to just um, dismiss people's um, experiences. Yeah. Um, and I even think of like uh, the Reply ep All episode about the song like this guy, oh, can't, yeah. this guy has heard a song and he can't find anyone else. Who, and now I'm going to spoil. Oh, we haven't even said spoilers. We're going to oh, spoil spoilers. the heck out of the thing. Yeah, sorry. Um, so that later. But so also to spoil the reply all episode about the missing music, like, and I'm, you know, there even is a point where a woman says she thinks he's made this song up. But yeah. in the end, it turns out he didn't. Like the yeah. song really existed. It was just this interesting set of circumstances um, that led to it, you know, him, him and there are other people who remember it it's just the way the radio worked and so on yeah. so i think about stuff like that with a, a movie like this where yeah if you're if you're black if you're a single unwed mother you know yeah. um in some ways this movie made me think of uh stranger things in that there was definitely like a, a name dropping things of the 50s kind of a situation there was a lot of nuclear test sites that's names came up um white right. sands and stuff like that the Soviets come up. So it, it had like all the bits of. Um, to make it feel authentic. Yeah, Although... kind of like, but, you know, in a way, I'm not sure if this is really how people of the 50s. I mean, well, talk, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. Our depictions of the past are always going to be flavored by the present. Right. I mean, I talk about this when we watch other movies where it's like the eyebrows are wrong for, you know, this is the sixties pretending to be the forties. Well, and I definitely had a little bit of that feeling. Sorry. Well, I was just, I mean, the radio station has the wrong designation. And again, that is that intentional or not? Who knows? Right. There's also the thing with stranger things. Like they have a picture of like the thing or something. Mm -hmm, it's right. one of those ones. And if you, because we, you know, a little bit about this, we know that I think the thing and some other movies or maybe right. 
like they no, weren't no. actually popular so like the thing was a, a, a was not a popular movie at the time it's a so cult it's, classic so it's unlikely that a kid would have it on their wall that way it's not impossible or anything so it's, it doesn't like break the, the wall it's just yeah. like eh, it's, they're fudging it so it's like hard to know with a movie like this like would people really be name checking things like that you know right. Right. And I mean, I certainly am less knowledgeable on the 50s than the 80s, so I, I would know even less. But, you know, she had saddle shoes on and stuff like that. But then again, our, our you know, our mom had saddle shoes. You probably don't know what saddle shoes are because you're Theo. I know um, what they are because mom tells me about her shoes because me and mom are both shoe people. <laughs> OK, good. good. She bought good. a new pair recently and within the last 10 years because yeah, she wanted she was to always have complaining about how uncomfortable they were. Um, well, yeah. And I mean, I've been saddle shoes were popular, so it's it's viable that a girl. It just was like you know, and she had the big glasses on and stuff like that. So, well, yeah, and her I, uniform, her cheer uniform looked didn't look like uniforms I've seen in today's world. They looked like something from the fifties, and I, I mean, small town. I assume they had the money for that. Who knows? Uh, whatever. Um, but my main complaint about this was it was hard for me to follow because, and it's interesting because the next movie we watched was Sound of Metal, which was all about hearing loss or being hard of hearing or however we're putting it currently. Yeah. Um, and I, as someone with it, uh, who is hard of hearing, had trouble following the fast paced, rapid um, conversation of Everett that just went on and on. And there was a lot of like setting world building in it. But yeah. my brain, like, I'm trying to figure out what's relevant to the plot and what's just kind of giving us a mood and atmosphere. And this was one of the worst movies for me of, like, turning to my boyfriend and being like, so what are they talking about? Like, what's this a reference to? Wait, what did they mean? Like, I'm not normally that bad. I have my moments, especially at home. My, my attention will wander, but this was pretty bad as far as that goes. And then when you had the people giving their long stories, again, I, it was like listening. I don't like listening to fiction and I don't like radio plays very much because my attention wanders. And so that was happening with this. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I liked it. I, I, I'm kind of with you. It's, it's you know, it's, it's not that complex it's just a fun you know mood piece it's it's something yeah it's any reason not to watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's, nothing, well, there's nothing egregious or offensive or it was just you know and there's only so many alien movies and you kind of see the ending coming a mile away but i don't really care about stuff like that yeah well i so i had the same problem with so I didn't get lost like you did. Now, caveat, I watch my movie with subtitle movies with subtitles and you don't just because that's how I am, I guess. Both me and Jill tend to prefer that because it's just too easy. It's to weird because I love I watch a lot of foreign films where I'm reading subtitles the whole time. But I when I'm watching something in in English, I, I kind of like to look at the picture. It's nice to pay attention to the picture more, but like, it's not too hard to do that and read the subtitles. And I often am like not really reading the subtitles, but like for this movie, there was this a point where I was reading the subtitles and I'm like, oh, I haven't looked at the picture in like a minute because they're moving so fast. I can't keep track of what's, I, I'm trying to make sure I keep track of the dialogue. So like, mm -hmm. I never got lost. So I don't know, maybe yeah. I was just in tune on this one or I don't know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but uh, uh, there was an, I was gonna, I'm gonna go back. You were talking about not being listened to. And the thing with Mabel and like how people sometimes think alien, you know, people who talk about being abducted are crazy. Like Everett thinks Mabel is crazy. Like he leaves mm -hmm. and doesn't take the things she said, the, 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 the writing, like, yeah. 
So like he thinks she's crazy, which is how like a lot of people might react to her story or alien stories in general, even though later at the end of the movie, they are abducted, right. um, which is, you know, it's coming, it's coming from a mile away. And, you know, again, this is where it's like, it's kind of simple, kind of not, it's, it's simple, but not super simple. But then like the ending is kind of like exactly what you expect it to be where they get abducted by aliens. And it's like, well, I didn't mind that. You know, I like a good simple story. Yeah. Um, like John Carpenter is always my example. Like I feel like he always has like a super simple story that he just goes deep on. You, you like simple offbeat stories, I think. Yeah. Because like I you mean, don't like superhero movies and those are really simple. Yeah, but what I like is John Carpenter usually invests depth in like the characters yeah. or something like that. Marvel movies, I don't know where the depth is. Like Eh, it depends I would call on the, the Marvel movie simple the way a John Carpenter film is like it's it's like, different it's different like I can give you one line setup for most of John Carpenter films right off the bat it'd take me time to come up with like what's the simple one line explanation or setup for Thor 3 like I'm sure yeah. you can come up with it but it, it'll take you a little time yeah no, and, and but like I getting back to this movie, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It is it's simple, but it's not it's it's still to me. I wish it had off- gone deeper into the characters or gone deeper into the aliens or gone deeper into something, and instead there was a lot of talk and people telling stories, and it's not bad, it's just not that that's where it fell short for me. That's what kept it from being like, Oh, you've gotta go see this movie. It's a heavier it's a heavier it in your house on Amazon Prime, apparently. it's a heavier plot movie i tend to like movies that are heavier on the plot than you which may actually also explain the marvel movie thing just some of why i like them more than you but i tend to like movies that are heavier on the plot or that are heavier on the machinations Mm -hmm. i like thrillers (laughs) sorry my girlfriend's being silly I, i like thrillers and and um my noir movies and some of those are like it's about the plot of like we're going from here to here or whatever and like there isn't as much character in that but it's interesting like it's that thing where like so every every movie of this genre of this style has the same story right every superhero movie every thriller movie every whatever movie right but when you watch them you see the slight deviations and like the plot and the character so like even though there's been 20 something marvel movies i've seen them all but i forget what the number is like there are deviations in the characters whatever so they're not all the same movie exactly right so it's the same so it's like watching this movie is like a dv like i'm looking for the deviations on the ufo abduction story right and this felt i'm i'm the one that most recently watched an alien abduction movie not you so which one did you watch fire in the sky oh right yeah well that's true well i've also been watching godzilla movies which aren't Uh, really alien they're not alien I i understand the relation though yeah, they're not a alien abduction, but like it's, you know, it's these little deviations in, in these stories. And right. so like this one felt offbeat and like it's it, it's weirdly and I haven't seen a lot of Twilight Zone. So maybe it's just all it's just exactly like a Twilight Zone episode somewhere or I mean, a Star Trek episode I haven't seen or whatever. So like there's just enough deviations in that plot mm-hmm. and like how we're getting there. And the fact that the plot actually just stops for these monologues is kind of interesting. Like mm-hmm. I was explaining this when we were watching it. This is probably my last thought on it, but it wasn't. You were talking about how you were, you were, you would, your mind would wander, but you weren't really bored. And it's like, well, yeah, this moving to me wasn't boring in general. I mean, that's that's a blanket phrase, and I'm sure people could get bored by it. But 
it does drone on in sections right. where you have those monologues or you just have people running down the street and you're like, all right, they're just running down the street. But for me, it's interesting that they do stop the plot and then the plot becomes this more insular narrative within the actual monologue. So we've, we're in a larger story and now we're in a smaller story and there's mm-hmm. a plot in that smaller story. Yeah. So like that was interesting to me to, to, to do that, to deviate the plot that way. Anyways. I mean, it's funny. I like that in books, like Murakami does that a lot. So yeah. he'll meet some character and they'll tell a story. It's but not as visual for, I, thing. Listening, listening and watching, it just doesn't work for me the same way. But I, I, it's interesting. I get what you're saying there. But it's like you talk about the droning and the problem with the droning is you don't know what to pay attention to because it all sounds the same. Yeah. So that, that that's what would happen to me. I mean, you're obviously you're supposed to pay attention to everything, but it's like some things are more important than others for the story. And I couldn't tell what. Totally. No. And, and I actually think it's not a very visual thing. So in general, I don't want my movies to do the sort of yeah. monologuing thing that happens here or in other movies, but it's a change of pace, you know? Yeah. Shall we move on to... Yeah, I don't have... I mean, it's just a nice little movie. Not much. Nice little movie. Yeah. I, if you, I mean, if you like sci-fi movies or even if you just like movies, give it a shot. Yeah. So Sound of Metal... Yeah, so um, as we forgot to really warn, it's uh, spoilers. I think this one came out pretty recently, right? So this might actually be within like the week or something. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. spoilers. This just came out. If you're going to watch it, we're probably going to spoil it. So don't listen to us then, okay? Yeah. So um, you want me to do this one or? Uh, go ahead. Um, so Ruben, um, played by Reza, Reza Ahmed, um, is a heavy metal Rizamed, sorry, is a heavy metal drummer and he loses uh he gets a severe hearing loss quite possibly due to all the noise he's been exposed to and he has to deal with it and first he ends up it seems like he uh is a um a recovering addict i'm not sure what exactly the term is but he, he hasn't used any uh, heroin or any substances for four years but you're still always in recovery so he uh, goes to um, one of those recovery centers that is focused that is um, deaf the, um, everyone there is deaf um, you said that it's like the building itself is deaf or something the building cannot hear uh, where he um is exposed to other deaf people and deaf culture. And then, but, and here's where the spoilers come in. He is not, he seems to assimilate, but he doesn't. And he gets cochlear implants and tries to return to his life before. Um, but that doesn't quite work either. Uh, life sucks and then you die. So that is that movie. <laughs> that last part is, is, is uh, some creative license, I would say. Um, so I very mixed about this movie i have to say i think it's a good movie um okay so caveat theo and i both have mild to moderate hearing losses this is we have about 50 percent of our hearing uh he at one point they say he has 25 percent of his hearing i think which one of us is worse i think it's you i thought you were worse so who knows (laughs) we we, Uh, yeah we, we wear we, hearing aids. We're not a part of deaf culture. I don't know any sign language, really. I actually have a friend who's a sign language interpreter, and I have asked her to watch this because I'm kind of curious what she'd think of it. But she is um, a mother in quarantine with two small children, so we'll see when she gets around to it. 
Yeah, I'd be curious what she thinks of this. Also, another caveat. I mean, that's a caveat, and it's an important caveat, but also specifically, we have a genetic hearing loss, which means right. we have always been this way. Yeah, so We did not have hearing and then lose it, which is kind of, which is relevant, probably. So it gives me a weird, weird point of view on this that's not going to be, that's going to be different from both someone with hearing with that who's never experienced any kind of, hearing loss and it's going to be different from someone who's deaf and involved in deaf culture yeah um one of the things i was seeing online was that this is a better representation of deaf culture than we've seen on screen because often we have you know it's the same problem with with any minority group where hollywood tends to use um uh, i guess able-bodied um majority group people like not just as their actors, but as the people writing and the people producing. And as such, you don't really have a good yeah. uh, insight into that kind of a life. Um, and I, I would say this is, I like the complexity of this, that he seemed to be okay with hearing. I'm sorry, he seemed to be okay with having lost his hearing. And then he he gets the cochlear implants, but that doesn't fix everything. But it felt, oh, do I want to say a little, um, I like that it showed the complexity. I just like that it didn't really have a strong point of view in some ways, like. Which is rare. That's not usually your, your yeah, take I mean, on I didn't want it to thing. say that this was an easy answer, but you, you talked about this more after the movie. It's like, you don't see him deciding that he, he wants, like, it's just suddenly he's selling his stuff and getting cochlear implants. I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact that um they did that his whole motivation for getting his hearing back seemed to be about the girlfriend and not the music and the title of the movie has to do with heavy metal which we thought was going to be more in the movie than was actually there is something later where part of what kind of seemed and again he learned sign language in a matter of montage that was a little bit jumpy too but this kid is tapping on a metal slide and and the kid is deaf um but they're experiencing the vibrations of it. Yeah. So that is this, the sound of metal. So I assume that's part of it. But to me, if you're a musician and you lose your hearing, the music's really important, but he sold all that, all his musical equipment so he could get the cochlear implants to just get back to the girl. And, and I'm a little uncomfortable. And then they don't end up together. I'm a little uncomfortable with what, you could get from that. Um, I was also uncomfortable during the movie because I wasn't feeling very well because I'd eaten something bad. So that might've added to the general discomfort feeling, but it was kind of like, what are you saying here? Like, are you saying, I mean, it was definitely like, let go of the past. You can't, you can't just fix your hearing. Cochlear implants destroy your hearing yeah. and they bypass your, your, um, you know, all the, they destroy your, your natural ear structure. Or yeah, whatever. and just so that your brain is getting direct signals and why it sounded so weird to him is because his brain was trying to figure out what it was getting. Um, and so, I don't know. It, it just, something about that all, it just left me feeling a little, and they didn't talk about, and, and I think it's changing, but like historically the deaf community has had some very anti-cochlear implant things to say which you kind of get a feel for through his um it's not his sponsor but the leader or the 
man in charge of the this recovery center or whatever it is um yeah so i don't know i it, it, i mean this this movie doesn't need to advocate one way or the other or be some kind of educational film about cochlear implants the pluses and the minuses or anything like that but at yeah. the end of the day i was kind of like what does this all mean <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, Luna. it's it's true if you lost your hearings it would be very complicated but like i've read a biography of a man um i think he wrote some articles for wired he lost his hearing kind of his was um there's some group of people who all their mothers took the same medication while pregnant and all oh. the kids lost their hearing and so ah. it's a very specific group because they figured out that happened and stopped giving it to my you know that's good. But people his age, like frequently, that is how they lost their hearing. And he got cochlear implants and he has he wrote a whole book about it. Um, you know, and the experience and for him, it was all about music. He wanted to hear music again. Like yeah. and so in that way, it was kind of that's might be why it was weird to me that music factored. So like he was playing music with the deaf kids. I don't know. I I. I don't know what the movie. I don't know what the movie was trying to say. <laughs> I guess a little bit, but like Riz Ahmed's performance is great. I think it may be one of the better depictions of that kind of situation and how it might feel. I thought, but then there was weird things you and I both noticed with the audio. Like he couldn't hear his own talking, and I'm like, Yeah, that's Can't a you little. Coming from inside your head. I mean, I don't know. I've never. His, his loss is, is worse than mine. And um... yeah, well, that's something that's like, it's hard to talk. I mean, this is where, okay. So I guess my turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So this ultimately the death experience I would describe as being tangential to my experience, our experience, or maybe the experience of anyone with uh, uh, loss of hearing. And it's, it is so nice, even as somebody who isn't deaf, but who is tangential to that community, to just see it depicted on the screen. Totally. I could, I mean, this is one of the rare moments. This is the rare, like the rare, I'm a white, able-bodied, I mean, I pass as a white, able-bodied, straight, cis, male, whatever. Like I pass as the, the problem, you know, it's the, the problem power group. And even though I have problems, including my hearing. Yeah. And so this is a rare point where I'm, one of the minorities watching this where I'm kind of a part of it. And yeah. it's like, this is, which is weird. I just don't, I'm not used to that because, because hearing loss is just never depicted. And in, in, well, unless thing. you're, I would actually say being deaf is depicted more than being hard of hearing, unless it's your grandparents. And it's funny that they can't hear things. It's not, you know, like the fact that they're now right. isolated from their families because we can only talk. And I mean, you and I could go on about the thing being hard of hearing. If you're young, people think you're stupid. People don't realize that it's that you misheard them, not that you are deliberately misunderstanding. Oh my God, we could go on. My signif our significant others are wonderful people. And even they at times have trouble dealing with us. And it's like, you've got to be patient. We've got yeah. hearing problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, please stop talking to me from two rooms away. I, yes. I'm never going to hear you. Like even yes. with my hearing aids on, I've had hearing aids since I was a kid. Not going to hear you. You're not like, going to hear you. No. Well, and like, even it's the thing when we watch movies, like where you, where you, you're watching it and it's like something is very quiet is happening. And you and I look at each other and we're like, no. Oh, the that, Blair that Witch Project is so funny to me. Cause it's like, I'm like, why are they so upset? And you know, Kirby's like, there's a baby crying. And I'm like, oh. right. Where you can't hear the thing that's happening or like I'm watching something and it's something, somebody sneaking up on some 
somebody and I'm like, there'd be noise there. There's no yeah. noise on screen because they need there not to be, but like toilet paper makes noise, you know? Yeah. Know. Well, 19, I think it's 1917. 1917. Yeah. Or 1918. I What's that movie called? It's 1918 or 17. But yeah. It's like an entire convoy of trucks drives up and like you don't hear them. And I'm like, that's a lot of the truck. Anyway. Yeah. It's sound design. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> Moving back to this movie and like it is just so nice to see it depicted at all because again I there's that guy at the beginning of that one Batman movie who's wearing hearing aids who is not a particularly old person as I remember there's a kid in a TV show that I can't remember the name for who I believe was actually just deaf there is um, a, in in the replacements I think the Keanu Reeves football movie one of the replacement one of the footballers is deaf and it's like I can like these uh, there's one more that I'm forgetting it's like I can name all of these right it's like it's just nice when you like anything it's always nice when you see somebody closer to your own experience represented on screen right having said that it was weird because like they kept bringing the sound back in so like even though Riz Ahmed's character can't see, hear properly and like we're basically I think he's in every scene of the movie almost in fact I think he's in all of the scenes we, they return to they, they sort of float in and out of sound uh, of regular you know hearing people sound and muffled you know hearing loss sound and it's interesting that they did that and I know why they did that but this is one of those things where it's like oh I, it would have almost been more interesting to me if they just kept it at his sound for the whole movie mm -hmm. they're not going to do that it wasn't that kind of movie that's fine mm -hmm. but at the same time the sound that you hear when he can't hear isn't it's just a muffled noise. And I'm like, yeah. you wouldn't even really hear that muffled noise. You'd only hear that muffled noise if like your cat is actually crawling on your shoulders. What is yeah. happening? <laughs> um, you wouldn't actually hear that muffled noise necessarily. Like later at the very end of the movie, um, he's lost his uh, hearing completely because he takes his implant, cochlear implant, the part that's the, the yeah. hearing aid part. I don't know what that part is off. And it's just completely silent. And it's like, there's probably like very slight room tone or something in the background. And it's like, that's actually more accurate, I think, to like, if I've been, you know, if I take my hearing aids out and I'm in an area where there's not a lot of people, like that's more accurate to me than that weird muffled sound he gets. It's interesting so, because I always think of, and again, my hearing is much better than his yeah. was prior to the cochlear um, implants. But I always think, because people think, think, people think that if you're hard of hearing that you are deaf and you're not. Yeah. Often I can kind of tell someone's telling me a joke because they're talking in a certain way that sounds like they're telling me a joke, but I can't catch the actual words. And this, so we so were very, very used to the smile and nod method. One of the things I hate the most is when you tell a really funny joke, but then you drop your voice dramatically to give the punchline. I never get the punchline. If you're going to drop your voice to give the punchline, I'm going to miss it. And yeah. one of the things I always, there's a clip of John Cleese, who I think is getting himself in hot water lately on social media. But anyway, he has this funny clip where he's explaining the brain, but he's yeah. speaking nonsense. But to me, that's being hearing impaired. Uh, yeah. Art of hearing, I think, is the correct term these days. But um, growing up, it was hearing impaired. Um, yeah. he, he's talking like a doctor describing something and pointing at things, but it's nonsense. And that, yeah. to me, is what my experience is like. It's not yeah. like muffled because... But then again, things are just very, when I'm not wearing my hearing aids, things are quiet. I mean, I sleep through all kinds of things because I can't hear oh, yeah. them. 
but I also hear things and I can't tell where they're coming from. I, I mean, I've been like, what was that noise? And Kirby's been like, that was a car backfiring like two blocks away. And it's like, how would you even know that? Because yeah. when my hearing aids on, I still can't figure so, stuff out. So, so anyway, I, I mean, we, it's like we have too much of our own personal experience that we're bringing we to ourselves so, in a way. So, yes. Yeah, so I think what I want to say is like having discussed all this, it is still ultimately tangential. So somebody who's actually deaf could really tell whether or not well, I mean, they couldn't really tell whether or not it's well. Accurate. Someone who's lost their hearing as an adult, yeah, could do something with this movie. But it's that weird thing where it's like, and I'm one like somebody who's a part of the deaf community and doesn't have a cochlear implant would can't hear the movie, so they can't really comment on the sound in it, <laughs> right? Other than maybe their own experience and like, well, this or that in this movie wouldn't, you know, right? So it's like I'd I'd be curious. Like, there's got to be article. Somebody out there somewhere is going to get these articles out, so I'm going to want to read them. But it, it is that weird thing where uh, I was distracted at times by it, and this is an entirely personal thing. Yeah. Where, and and the thing where your own voice is all vibration in your head. Yeah. So the fact that he can't, there was a few scenes where he can't hear his own voice that well, like when they've muted the sound yeah. as if it were him listening and his hearing. And it's like, he'd be able to hear his own voice. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And that's why I say this movie is, for me, it was just kind of, it, it was kind of uncomfortable. And that's not necessarily, I mean, that, that can be an interesting place to yeah. be with a movie. But it, I don't know. I, I I was just, if the other, so moving past that part, the other reason we're uncomfortable that you talked about earlier that I'm now going to relate to Joker is to me, Joker was politically vague. Like it has this thing about like, don't be mean to people because then they'll be mean to other people, which may or may not really be how it works. We've had with, fights about this, which is what Theo is. Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> reacting to. yeah, anyways, but the, so like that's, and it's kind of vague about like what it's about to me. And so to me, this movie, Sound of Metal, is kind of vague in this in a similar way, not about politics really, in terms of because like Joker is actually about like governmental and like societal right. politics. This is more like interpersonal politics, but like he's not doing well. And then he, there's like one scene of him in a room yelling and writing. And then like right after that, he seems to be doing better. We like missed a step there. Yeah. Like to me, this movie was actually missing dramatic elements. Like there are just there's scenes missing where we don't see him grappling with like, well, I can get an implant, but it's not going to sound the same, which that scene is nowhere in there until he has it on and it's working and it sounds weird. And it's mm -hmm. like, he would have had that scene before. I mean, that would have been something he'd have grappled with before that in real life. Mm -hmm. So there's actual scenes missing. Or someone missing. would at least have tried to tell him yeah. whether or not he paid attention, but people are going to explain, I mean, people are going to explain that you're destroying your, yeah. I mean, he knew his existing hearing was getting destroyed. So I don't know. I don't know. And so there's, it's actually missing those scenes. And, and so, and then it's like, like his arc is complete, but like the story almost didn't feel complete to me. Like it's, stories are supposed to ask questions. Well, I should say suppose. Stories often ask questions and give you answers. And there's usually like one big narrative question and then like a bunch of little ones on the way. And to me, there were just places where those questions were missing. Like he's, he's getting better. And then it's just him interacting with people for a little while. And I'm like, what's, this is just more of us seeing that he's doing better. It's interesting, but like, this isn't exactly in response to something. Cause like him doing the drum things, that's neat. And that's like almost a response to like how he'll interact with music, but then that goes away. So it's kind of like, we get a question earlier about how he's going to interact with music when he's deaf. 
then he's doing the thing with the kids with the beating of the buckets except that then that's not touched on again so right and then he sells all his music supplies yeah. and you're like but i thought that's what this movie was going to be about and it's not so it so, just yeah it, it, it's i would describe it it's this is another one of those movies where like we want more of these kinds of movies <laughs> that depict deaf people or hard of hearing people or anything mm-hmm. even if there were more movies this wouldn't be like oh this is a bad movie it's still a good movie it's just lacking i would yeah. say in areas so yeah no i completely agree i think i i still want despite my discomfort and some of the things were like i i'm i'm not sure i can accept at face value what i was given i i hope people watch this i mean i think it's an it, yeah it's it's a point of view we don't get to see and even if i'm questioning it a little bit like i think yeah, i think that's just not a bad place to be yeah, and I I forgot one other thing I wanted to say. One last thing. I watched a movie, I forget what it's called. It was a documentary and it's about like being, uh, it, there's a, a kid with autism in it. It's a particularly um, difficult to interact with kind of autism. There was um, uh, little people, I think that's the correct term. Little people, there was, a gay man he's the one who did wrote the book and who helped make the documentary and then there well there's actually a second there's another group uh, guy with autism anyway so there's like these different people who are on different you know outsider perspectives of things and there's for, for the little people there's this interesting part where there's a, a, a meeting and they're all discussing like well they're trying to do these gene therapy or gene altering things where when you have kids, you can make it so that they don't, they're, you can mess with their genes to, so that, you know, they end up a certain right. way, which includes editing out all these actual diseases, dwarfism. well, actual diseases, but then also dwarfism or any of this, any of the different words that go with being a little person and how they're, and how that community is like, well, we don't really want them to do that because there's a community here and we're valuable, even though we're little and there's a something for genetic diversity and so on and so forth. And I am not knowledgeable on the subject perchance. And however, it does touch the whole like cochlear implants are not like super amazing things yet. I mean, they're, they're good. They, they make somebody who can't hear anything, hear something. And if you want that, that's yours to get. But the whole part of the movie of Sound of Metal is like, you don't need to be fixed if you're deaf. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that, that you don't need to be fixed if you're deaf, but if you want cochlear implants, why not? Again, I'm not a part of the deaf community. I'm not speaking for the deaf community. I'm just my own opinion. Mm-hmm. So there's an there's a weird aspect to it to me where it doesn't really go into that because, well, because that's a really- the, the deaf community, and again, it may be changing over time, but they, they were originally very anti-cochlear implant in part yeah. because of potential destruction of the deaf community. And I understand the discomfort with stuff that's like eugenics, like, well- yeah, that's where this is. That's what I was, I was going to say that you beat me to the punch. This Sorry. starts to feel, no, you're good. This, this feels like eugenics at a certain point. And like anything, like any complicated issue there, it's really, it's not about whether or not it's happening or not. It's like, where do you draw the line? Like right. if people have an illness, we want to cure them of that illness. Right. If this, if you do it by genetics, which is a kind of eugenics, I guess, that's probably fine, but you have to draw the line somewhere or you have to figure out what's good or bad. And yeah. some people rush forward with, with, with scientific advancement and just say, well, we should just do it and it'll make it better. And then 
10 years later, we figure out, oh, no, wait, we we killed off an animal by doing that or something, right. you know. So it, it's there's a complexity there that I know about a little bit. Well, and that's and, like, OK, sorry, I have a thought, but let me let you finish. <laughs> I was just going to say this movie doesn't like it's there in the background somewhere. And that's fine if it were more, if the story for Riz Ahmed's character felt personal enough. I got emotional in a few places, so it wasn't like it was lacking, missing it. But it's kind of like, it's in the background. They don't quite touch it enough. They don't need to because it's a personal story. But then the personal story feels too intertwined with some of the other stuff. So it doesn't always feel like it's just a character story. So I, I ended up wanting to be, I wanted more of that. And it wasn't there because it almost seems like it should be. So I, I, that's, again, this is where it's like, it's complicated. I'm not entirely sure. Well, and that's where, I mean, and we may have already said this and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's where it's like, you don't need to go over the complex issues that surround cochlear implants in this movie. This movie is not here to educate people about cochlear implants. Right. But yet it feels like it cut a corner by not showing some of that. And then by having it seemingly all be about getting back together with the girlfriend, Whereas to me, like the music, like if you cannot hear, you cannot experience music. Yeah. You can go to concerts and feel vibrations. And so you can experience music. Let me not. Yeah. But what I mostly hear from people who lose their hearing is that they want to hear music. And so to have him be a musician and then not have that seemingly factor in was very... Like, it's like the movie showed that things were complicated in some ways, but then cut corners in others. And that yeah. kind of bothered me. Yeah. I'm, you know, I always, I'm, I'm not even that attached to music personally. I actually am not a big music person, but I mean, music is, is a big cultural thing. So I don't know. It, yeah. it just, and have, then don't have him be a musician. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's almost I like don't know a short... what that was about then. We, it's a shortcut. We talked about this with like um, Leave No Trace and uh, You Were Never Really Here, I think. Yeah. Where like war veteran is like shorthand for like mentally messed right. up. And it's like, yeah. you know, they're using the shorthand of being a musician for like, it's really hard to lose your hearing. And it's like... It's... I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a weird. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Anyways. I think we probably over. Yeah. over Ultimately, I just want to leave on the note that it was a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean the performances are good. Riz Ahmed's really good, um, yeah. and it, it's really not a bad movie. It's just we have an interesting, we have a different perspective. Yeah. So, if I ever uh, hear from my friend that does ASL stuff, um, you'll report it. I will. We'll report on that. It'll be go. in the the notes. The end part. There you go. All right, uh, let's do Honeyland. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk with you about this one since I watched it. So do you, so spoilers for spoilers. Honeyland and any anything we might mention within it. Honeyland yeah. is a documentary from last year, the year before, I think last year. And it was one of your favorite movies of 2019 and you had me watch it. Do you want to describe it? I will describe it. Uh, the movie is about... Oh, let me get her. Hatidz Muratova. I think you actually only ever get her first name in the movie, Hatidz. She is a beekeeper, a Macedonian beekeeper. And she, it's just, it's just, a, it's kind of a, it's not really a fly on the wall documentary, but it's just about her and her life and 
specifically this one part of her life where there really isn't anybody left in her town. Um, some, uh, well, I don't know what the actual correct term for this group is, but they're, aren't they Roma? They're nomads. I think Roma nomads. is a, not a, is an uh, not, offensive not term at this term. point. I'm not sure, but I hear them referred to as nomads. My apologies if I use the wrong term. I'm Or it might refer to a very specific people, one of those yeah. things, and we're not sure. We're not sure. They're nomads. They, they, they travel into her, her little village area. Um, they become friends with her. They learn that she keeps bees, and so they start to keep bees, and you can you can already see where this is going problems and chaos ensue they mess up stuff for her life and spoilers i mean this is a documentary so it doesn't like have a big finale but they end up leaving and her bees get messed up so i think she ends up without honey for like a a season or something and all the while she's also matiz is also taking care of her mom who's much older and has some sort of problem with her eye um and eventually her mother dies I think they filmed over the course of years, like three years. years or yeah. Years. Where is the conception and development? They had 400 hours of footage. So they started in 2015. Um, so they stayed there for days at a time before getting supplies and stuff. So yeah. So like it was several years, many days out of the week. And yeah, it came out last year. It was popular for a number of critics and uh, that's more or less the story. And you really liked it. I really liked it. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I had, you know, thoughts on it. I didn't have big thoughts on it. I, I read the review you sent me, so I won't say anything about it. I'll let you go first. But I hadn't, for the record, I hadn't really thought of some of the things I had and hadn't thought about some of the things in the review. But go ahead. Yeah, so let me talk for a while. So I started watching this and about after the Nomad show up, you know, for a little while, I started getting uncomfortable, which seems to be today's word. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't really completely put my finger on why. Um, but it, it had to do a lot with the editing. And I was like, every time we see Hadith's, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, I apologize. It's quiet, it's peaceful, she's singing, she's saving bees from the water. She, she later saves a turtle from a dry well area you know it's it's very quiet every time we see the nomad family it's noisy the kids are screaming the camera's moving around the mom's yelling the dad's yelling and it kind of bothered me and I was like why are you being so bothered um but I kind of um I looked at the wikipedia to be like you know because I had forgotten if this was a documentary or not and it is a documentary, but I came across under concept, I'm sorry, under conception and development, the interesting statement, um, according to Kodevska, who is one of the creators of it, virtually none of the film scene are fictional. Virtually none? So like maybe one or two are? And so that made me uncomfortable. And it may be that none of them are fictional, but it just is an odd phrasing and it's Wikipedia. So take it with a a boulder of salt. And then as I was trying to really figure out what I felt about this movie, I came across, oh, and I just, they don't want to give it to me. I came across, um, there it is, uh, New Yorker review by Richard Brody, which 
he was kind of harder on it than I ultimately would be, but I think it solidified my feelings about this documentary. And that is that it is way too much like a film for my taste. The narrative flow of this documentary is like a naturalistic film, the yeah. way it's edited. They had 400 hours of it. And so it uses dramatic narrative and it uses traditional editing of film, of a fictional film. Yeah. I, documentaries are films too. So I should say of fictional, you know, yeah. films. And I don't like that as it turns out because, and he, he has his own things to say and I may be repeating him somewhat, but it really, two, two things happened. I'm gonna go for two things happened. One is it makes me not trust what I'm seeing because my brain is interpreting it like a fictional film. And I'm like, so did it really happen that way? And I have no doubt that this is all footage that they obtained. But again, the stuff with the family is so specifically jarring and loud and all over the place. And the stuff with her is so peaceful and calm and quiet that I'm sure it could be true. It could be, I mean, there are horrible people out there. Um, one of the animations I had you watch was called Neighbors and it's about neighbors fighting about things. Like neighbors fighting is not a new concept and it's possible for one of the neighbors to be wrong. Like it, it may not be there are good people on both sides. It may actually be that one of the sides is bad. Yes, false, false. there's some no false equivalencies. But also, I mean, but also it means they, ch they chose a point of view and I was reading about that and it's like this, this, film is about you know ecological disaster and when you don't really respect nature kind of a thing but you could have made this about poverty and they didn't you know they didn't yeah. really there I mean there's some sympathy for the nomad family for being poor and how are you supposed to you know just he's just trying to take care of all his kids and stuff like that yeah. but that's not really the point of view of the film yeah so it, it I don't doubt that everything like despite that wikipedia statement everything could be true um but it made my viewing experience kind of like doubtful and the other problem is that what happens with biopics where i feel like it is simplified and you and i have talked about documentaries and one of the things we like when documentaries do is just tell a story we yeah. know it's not the full story because you can't tell the full story we know you have a point of view so on but my favorite documentaries are like shirkers and searching for sugar man and yeah. they tell a story but there are interviews there is um text on screen i forget the one we saw even in 2019 that was all about um south africa and the politician right um hammerschold oh cold case hammerschold yeah like that one at the end of it you're not even true how much of what you saw was real yeah but it was done in such a way that you were aware of that. Like yeah. you see the seams, you see, you see. Um, yeah, I wonder if that's they, intentional they recreate, or not. But I'm with Hammerschel. I think so. I, I don't. I'd have to look it up. But I remember the the the, the documentarian is kind of known almost for doing kind of yeah. is it or isn't it stuff. But yeah. you see that um, uh, both um, well, searching for Sugarman for sure recreates things with animation, so that you see that this is not, this is, this is a story. Yeah. Honeyland is, is naturalistic. So it looks, it doesn't, there's no interviews. There's no text on screen. There's no, I have no idea when things are happening. I have no idea how far apart they're happening. I have no idea 
where they are except in things they say she seems to have friends and people who know her in this one section yet she seems alone for the rest of it and so it it made me feel like i was it made me feel like they were editing things out and i like it, it the way it was telling the story made it feel smaller it made it feel too neat it made it feel too neat and orderly and i like even though i like it when shirkers and searching for sugar man and hammerjold like are clearly telling a story there's something messier about it yeah and so um i didn't like that at the end of the day though i do want like the the massive caveat that like i think honeyland was up for an oscar or won the oscar i am fine with that like it is impressive it's well done and all that but it really made me realize i don't want my documentaries to look like um roma which is the name of the movie and not (laughs) yes well so two things one i looked it up there i couldn't find anything that said roma was a bad turn it's the romani people but Mm -hmm. it's it's so it's who knows i think that's a specific group of people which these people may not belong to right i don't you're right that these there are lots i mean they're irish nomadic people there's lots of nomadic people in different Yes. Uh, so that, so the other thing, so I was actually going to bring up Roma. So you like, uh, one of your favorite movies is Grey Gardens. Yes. And this, like Grey Gardens, is a fly on the wall mm-hmm. style documentary. It's cinema verite. Right. <laughs> which is an important term for us because we made a joke out of it for the name for Pigeon Verite. Um, and I think you make an interesting point and I don't think I disagree or anything with your point. I just think it is a bit, you know, this, this feels like my, it's, it's a personal thing for you. Like, but the thing I want to compare gray gardens to Honeyland because gray gardens doesn't have a narrative really. It's a couple, what, like a year or something or a year or two out of these people's lives. The mm-hmm. scenes are kind of just cut together there's a you use I think you see a couple of Thanksgivings or something. It's not like there's I don't know. It's not like there's you know the, the character grows this way or the story grows this way. It's stuff put next to each other. There's kind of you can build themes and a narrative out of it, but it's not really structured that way. Right. Honeyland is structured like a real Hollywood narrative, like a, a more traditional story. Right. Now. I can see why that doesn't work for you because with a fly on the wall style documentary, both because we're trained this way and also maybe because of how we, of culture, of our brains, whatever, it, 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 it's weird that it has such a strong narrative when really you almost want to just see scenes cut next to each other of this person's live. Like right. that structure I think is better suited for fly on the wall than a strict narrative like Honeyland has. And Roma, the movie, not the people. Uh, Roma, one of the complaints people gave it, and I didn't, this didn't bother me, and I didn't agree, or I didn't, I understand the complaint, but I guess I didn't agree with it. I don't know. Is it's kind of too big and too well shot and too grand for the story it's telling. Like people wanted it to be a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Cat. Um, and so, she was being grand and big, but she's she a very was, small cat. Yeah. Oh, and then there's a cat walking outside my window. We have an old cat that wanders by. Um, anyways, and so I so there was this disassociation between the technique and the story. And 
Honeyland, I think, has the same thing as far as you're concerned. And I get that. And that's what Rich, uh, Richard Brody, is that what his name is? Look up oh, yeah, name. Richard Brody. Yes, the, the New York Times, um, not New York Times, New Yorker yeah. critic. Yeah, and like, I kind I get that. And because of that, it's, because it's so strong a narrative, you end up with questions of like, well, if this is like this in the narrative, what happened here? Yeah. You know, we never really know how many people are in the town. And because it's a stronger narrative, you almost want to see this, the, the city or the, the village, or I don't know what you would even call it. These, the place where Hatids lives, you want to see how many people are there. Or the mom has obviously received some kind of medical attention. I mean, she's got something wrong with her eye. Probably a doctor was brought up there at some point. Uh, so like, when did that happen? What's going on there? You know? So, or even just the admission that it's messy. Like, I don't need the facts, but it was so neat that it's almost like, yeah, these things don't exist. And it's like, but I think they might. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I can't tell. And so I, I think that I get the, the critique and I might even agree with it a little more than I thought I did. But as somebody who I, I watch more documentaries, I think out of the two yes, of us. Yes, you do. I'm going to give you that. Um, I don't, I just, I find fat documentaries really interesting because I have this whole thing and I, I, I finally won you over to the point that, you know, it's all subjective. Um, right. And people like to pretend in particular, I mean, whether or not people believe that for, for like critique of a film, like this film is objectively bad, which I think is a stupid phrase. I'm sorry if that's what you believe. We, we can believe different things. It's fine. Documentaries more often people like to try and say, are, well, this is objective. This is objective fact. Right. And it's like, okay, so two things to that. One, anyone, anything is capable of lying. I'm seven foot tall. Two, once you point your camera in a direction, it is subjective. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So with a documentary, and there have been some famous documentaries over the years that people have gone back at and been like, ooh, this is a lie. And you talked about Cold Case Hammerschgold, or like, we're not even really sure how true or not it is, but it is interesting and it does really get you in, in your brain. Like, you know, or King of Kong, like something like that, where like a lot of people watch that and like, oh, this other guy's a dick. And then it's come out that like, well, they were kind of portraying him really poorly. And maybe he's a bit of a arrogant guy, but maybe mm -hmm. not. A, so like there's there's that kind of stuff. And it's like, because of that, when they turn this into a narrative, I, my brain almost stops thinking of it in terms of a documentary. Mm -hmm. This is one narrative for Hatiz's life. Mm -hmm. Oh God, Luna monster. Because of the size of the screen, it's like Godzilla is coming after you. <laughs> Um, so like I stopped, so like the fact that it's so fictional doesn't bother me because that's how I've always thought of documentaries and no documentary do I go into without right. at some point a question during it being like, well, where, what information are you leaving me without? Like even right. a, the Atomic Cafe, which is a documentary that probably nobody has seen. I think I saw it in school. Um, oh, it's, which is, it's semi-famous. I think people it? have seen it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's like, like documentaries. <laughs> Luna, Luna has not seen it, though. Luna's like right at the mic, too. I want you to know that Luna wants treats right now, and Luna is fine. Luna, Luna does not is, need to have treats right no, she now. Doesn't. She is fine. She's oh, very Luna. okay. Uh, so, 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 like, but like even in that, like that's just clips put next to each other, and it's it's the Kuleshov effect. Where like here's a a, a nuclear explosion, and here's Truman smiling before mm -hmm. talking about it, and like anything 
because of how you cut the clips next to each other, it gives you a certain feeling. It's that same thing where like you watch reality TV and like you can't see them talking, but you hear the audio and you're like, well, did that really audio go with that? Clip? Right. Probably not. So yeah. like, it's all of that stuff. Like yeah. it doesn't bother me so much that even though right. this is fly on, fly on the wall style, it is a narrative, but I still get the critique and it's yeah. made me think more. Yeah, because I agree with you. And I, I have always, I, I think it's important to say though that there is, at the same time, there is a, there is a difference between propaganda and someone yeah. who's trying to show more than one side at a time. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the, the, and there are ways of being more, being more objective, I want to say. You can never be totally objective, but there's, you know, I mean, you, you, you can take a clip and play different music behind it that does something to elicit a different emotional reaction and there's definitely stuff you can do that's more more i don't know and i'm talking about non-fiction i'm not talking about fiction but there's definitely stuff you can do that's more sinister and you definitely see it in the true crime world all the time where it's like you're you're saying you're not saying this guy is evil but you're playing this music underneath him that makes him seem evil so anyway so there there's still degrees of that too you know it's it's different when you make you know lenny richtenstahl's type stuff versus you know well and well i've never watched some of that stuff but i've i'm always i need to watch some of that but well no there's something mom's talked about and this gets a bit into politics but there's something called the fairness doctrine which used to be a part of news where you had to present both sides and at some point i guess that went away and so various programs get to choose how much or not they do that and there's no obligation in nonfiction or in fiction to do that and often the movies we like more in fiction i think tend to present multiple sides to an issue or multiple sides to a character or a character grappling with multiple sides of an issue we don't tend to like like this is black and white here's the good person doing the good thing right not always. I mean, life right, it's complicated. Right, right. But so in a nonfiction documentary, I all, I get like what was Blackfish or whatever that one was about the whales. Like like a lot of people, I no longer really enjoy seeing animals on screen doing things unless they're cats and dogs, basically. Because at this point, cats and dogs are domesticated and it's been thousands right. of years. And as far as I understand it, that bridge was crossed. Well, like, and you're talking about when they are performing on screen. Yeah, like, like monkeys, monkeys, lions. You don't get upset when you see I don't, them on screen. Damn that cow. <laughs> no, but like you see a monkey performing or a lion yeah. performing or a whale or an elephant or something. Mm-hmm. So I get kind of... So like watching where was I going with this? Huh? I was doing the fairness doctrine. Some, somewhere in there, my brain lost a step. <laughs> I missed what happened. Oh God, we're on air. Point, point of views, point of views. Point of views. Oh God. Oh God. And the cat keeps distracting well, me. Well, I mean, you want me to, to, to go with what I was going to say, except now sure, I'm sorry to forget. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And I personally am aware and it's not even like I'm worried that other people will see Honeyland and think it's an un- like I don't care. Yeah. Personally, I like seeing the seams. I like seeing dates on screen if it's a documentary. Not well, Dawson. It's- Dawson Cities is nothing but text and <laughs> dates. Yeah. Like I like if I'm gonna want a documentary, I I, I want it to be like a nonfiction book with pictures and dates and stuff like that. And so it's not 
that I'm I'm worried that people will see Honeyland and think that there's no bias in it. It's that I want to see this the seams, as I keep saying. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, I just I just didn't like Honeyland as much as you did. <laughs> yeah, I. I <laughs> but I, I'm glad I saw it. So I, I remembered what I was going to say. I get I go on tangents because that's just who I am, and I can't yeah. help it. Blackfish was a documentary that felt like very one-sided and like right. I don't disagree with like I ultimately agree with like hey we shouldn't have whales in captivity anymore despite how fun they seem to be for people to watch yeah like watch a nature documentary or something I, mm -hmm. I I I appreciate I might agree with the message but not necessarily the way it's told mm -hmm. so like Honeyland I I can understand having a kind of problem with in that way it 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 doesn't exactly show multiple sides of an issue we haven't actually talked about the the substance of the documentary we've talked about like all the stuff around it the meta stuff mm -hmm. I, I do want to just before we move on like Katiz is a fascinating person yes um I don't know you know where she is I assume she's still now keeping bees um and doing her thing the filmmakers did if you read up on it I get a little confused but they helped her move um, I don't know if she's still doing bees or not, but they did get involved and in, in an open way, like they made sure like that, there were press that, releases about it. And that so is on. super common in documentary work, like almost like uh, people should be making documentaries to get enough money to help people like that's yeah. it's hard. Well, I mean, documentaries don't make money. Dark Days is the one that Kirby introduced me to that I introduced you to. And I think that's one of your favorites, right? It's and one of my one favorites, where the, yeah. the documentary crew just blatantly got involved and it's about it was about um, homeless people living in some abandoned and not abandoned subway i think it's not even tunnel. homeless anymore i mean we, we were talking about rome early i think it's now like people without homes or something it's not homelessness yeah, yeah. so but yeah, yeah no dark days that's i think on criterion i think actually dawson city is also on criterion you know, yeah plug for both of those you should go watch those people they're good right um but no and uh, Hatiz, it's also interesting to see hatid's interacting with the people in the city where she goes to sell the honey like it seems like she knows a few of them and like they kind of right you know, they they know each other and like, they understand that she's got good honey, but you know, it's all deals. But then there's also like a, a, a local or a nearby like festival or something that happens. Mm -hmm. And like, she goes and she like talks to people there, like people she knows. And there's this like younger woman who's like super excited to see her as I recall. Yeah. Like, she's like a friend of hers. And it's like, Hatiz is, there's an aspect to the movie that I didn't want to forget where like, we talk about how like sometimes like Wonder Woman or maybe maybe or maybe not Wonder Woman, like you get these like women are superhero movies where they're kicking butt and stuff. Yeah. They're like they're girl bosses or whatever. And you get to this point where you're like, ah, it just starts to all feel like advertising. It doesn't feel very honest. Like Charlize yeah. Theron. But it's also somebody... that thing where it's like women are strong when they do traditionally male things. And it's yeah. like, okay, thanks There's... for that. There's that and or there's like, you know, Shirley's thrown kicking somebody's butt makes sense because she's a tall, strong woman. Right. But then you see um, what's her name? Oh, I got really uncomfortable when I saw Nicole Kidman beating people up because I'm like Nicole Kidman size and it's unlikely. It's really unlikely. Yeah, it's really unlikely. Like or you see somebody like fighting. You see a man and a woman fighting, except the woman is fighting like the man would. And I'm like, there's a size different there. Like a small man would not fight a large man the same way a large right. man is going to fight. Well, it's like when man. baby Yoda or not baby Yoda, um, when old Yoda fights with a lightsaber. Yeah. Red Letter Media has a whole thing on like that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. So like there's all of that stuff, whereas like Hatiz to me is almost like the real life version of like a right. woman who's kicking ass. Yeah. Like it's a really she, she keeps bees. 
she's she's of strong opinion you can yeah. kind of tell she she might she she maybe seems a little stuck in her ways if i knew her in real life maybe it would be one of those things where she's too old world for me but mm -hmm. at the same time like i just appreciate seeing like a real superhero narrative almost yeah so like that's another aspect to this i didn't want to miss because like no she's a woman for the i mean you and i have talked about documentaries that aren't very well put together where it's yeah. just the subject makes it worth watching even though we don't think it's necessarily an interesting film and yeah. this isn't like badly put together this isn't that but i mean in the sense of like its subject makes it worth seeing for sure totally. i agree with you on that totally so yeah good documentary yeah and it was really really heartbreaking when they they cut down the tree with the bees in it that was like that yeah. was the worst that was yeah. terrible there's there's a lot of that in there so, I, so yeah despite my i'm what i'm not offering is like reasons that this movie is bad in fact it, it kind of frustrates me when i read critics articles on movies where it seems like people are just going through hoops to prove that something's bad instead of just saying like here's something you can see in this and i think that's just kind of society demands we want our aggregator to come up with the percentage chance that we will or won't like this movie but so i'm not doing that that this isn't why this movie is bad it's it's you should see it if you're yeah. you know it's it's worth seeing it's just i loved it I, I went through this whole experience of like why why am i kind of not into this and yeah. figuring out why was kind you of see this is see this is one of those moments where like you, you what was it sometimes i'm watching something and i'm like you know it, it just I'm, it's, I'm sure it's a good movie but i can't figure it out yeah. it's one of those moments except it's you doing it <laughs> well and i figured out why because well yeah because you figure it out quicker than me you're smarter than me <laughs> oh no um anyway okay so time to time to wrap up yeah time to wrap up uh do you want to go first or should i go first I'll go first. I think you've gone first lately, right? Yeah, go for it. So I haven't watched too much um, because I'm still watching a lot of dramas that you don't get through as fast as movies. Um, I think I talked about, I, I'm going to start writing about K-drama on our Instagram, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, I think I talked about it last week, but I watched Kimchi Family, which is probably the most matching Makcheng, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but I like the word, except I mix it up with makne sometimes. But Makcheng is like over the top drama. It's amnesia, it's secret siblings, it's, you know, that kind of stuff. Makne is the youngest in the family. You are the makne, Theo. Um, but you are not Makcheng. Um, so Kimji family might be the most Makcheng. Wait, I've what did seen. you just say about me? <laughs> said that you're the youngest in the family but oh, you're not I, super over dramatic i was following like, me here uh, no apparently not <laughs> you're the makne i got distracted thinking about secret siblings and i'm like what if we had a secret sibling and i'm like well we don't really have a secret sibling but we do have simon it's more just that he's older so he's not and he doesn't live around us <laughs> yeah so kimchi family may be the most matching that i've watched but I loved it. And it, it's kind of, you, you, I can't remember if you did it for the cameras or not, but you've called me a hypocrite lately for liking these things. You, and I you think, really are upset that I called you a hypocrite. No, like no, you I'm keep not. bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me think, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, there are certain circumstances under which you learn more about people than like normal circumstances, right? Like, right. I mean, that's fiction, right? Put someone in hot water and see how they react. And that'll tell you more about them than like watching them eat lunch, right? Like, right. so 
I think this is really teaching me how little I care about plot. I don't care about plot. I'm here for the characters. And so a plot can serve me up, like, there are still certain plot things, like amnesia is part of Mokjang, and I do not care for amnesia very much. Um, I've seen exactly one that had any amnesia in it, and I did not care for that part of it at all. I liked other parts of that show. It's not one of my favorites in general, though. Um, but, like, Kimchi Family just, like, serves up everything to a degree, and I don't care, because I'm, like, so into the characters and so into seeing how they work and interact with one another, um, that I'm here for mom to teach me lessons about the meaning of life through kimchi, and I am fine with it. Like, it's just um, a lot, of, like, I, I rewatched Healer, which is an interesting one, because it didn't do well in Korea, but it, like, did well in the rest of Asia. Um, and I don't understand what's happening. The bad guy makes no sense to me. But I'm not watching K-drama to find out the nature of evil or what makes someone bad like that's not what i'm here for like i love the hero and how he interacts with the heroine and how they interact and the fact and the plot's just there to kind of put them in interesting situations and i've talked with you about i think about this like i hate it and this especially happens with longer american television when characters start like mutating in order to make certain plots happen yeah, I get annoyed with that shit. I don't care when plots go crazy in order to make characters do certain things because then I get to see characters doing certain interesting things. As long as they're still behaving roughly within character, it's fine. As long as it kind of works with the... You know, I don't want to see a, a, um, a K-drama that has the same tone as True Detective then have wacky humor. Like, it, it still has to be within the world building of that show for it to be that way. Yeah, but I'm fine with it, and it even makes me think of uh, Kirby keeps mentioning Ally McBeal, which was a very popular '90s TV show. Do you remember it at all? I know the name. It it made the dancing baby very famous. Like, there's a lot of that kind of irreverence and fun in these shows. Anyway, so I really like Kimchi Family. I'm rewatching. Um, I rewatched Healer. I'm rewatching some other stuff. I just started Reply. I keep wanting to call it Reply All, and Kirby actually came up with a brilliant plot for a, a K-drama called Reply All that I'm going to get him to write. But I'm re- watching Reply 1988, and it's interesting because I'm a little tired of 80s nostalgia. Um, this is actually a series of dramas that take, like, there's 1997, or, like, there's a few of them from different years. But there is an older brother and a younger sibling who are about the same age difference as me and our older brother, which is quite wide. Yeah. You don't you don't come across that age difference without siblings in between very often. Yeah. Um, and it's 88, so you wouldn't have been born yet. And there's something about seeing that on screen and knowing that we were within a few years age. You know, we were talking about it with um, Sound of Metal. Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of like seeing something like you on screen. And so yeah. it's... It, Although this, the older brother is way sweeter to the younger sister than Simon was. <laughs> but it made me nostalgic and it made me think about um, Simon's best friend who passed away, our older brother's best friend who passed away a few years ago and how sad that made me. And, I, I mean, it's, and oh, the other thing I was going to say about it that you and I talked about before we recorded was it, it is a drag that they have used so much cult, pop culture references that if you're watching the show legally uh, on any of the English places you can watch it legally they have blurred out so much and and that's a little bit of a bummer 
um, because I think that's interesting. Anyway, that is what I have to say. I'm going to continue to watch dramas. Um, and I think I'm going to make you watch Pervert's Guide to Ideology because ah. it is time. All and right, I will, it's time. I will rewatch it with you. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't actually rewatch Honeyland, but I seen it recently and I just I had an off week. That's right. Uh, yeah. I, okay, I kind of well. want to rewatch this anyway. So, I mean, we could even try and watch together. We'll figure that out off air. We'll figure that out off air. Okay, well, I guess I'll go over mine and I should let you know my battery is running low, so we'll be quick on these, I guess. Um, you should so really I watched, plug in before you start. That's what I do. I should I should bring my charger, but it's anyways. Uh, Abira, Horror of the Deep from 1966 was this week's Godzilla movie. It, uh, Abira, it, Horror of the Deep, what does that make you think of? Big well, sea creatures. Possibly. I know what it is, you're going to tell me. But, uh, yes. but it's, I think it's... it's is it a creature that comes from the deep? It's a lobster. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, hey, why not? That's a deep creature, more or less. Um, and so it was fun. This one was a little different than the rest. It didn't take place in Japan. Like, it took place on some island somewhere. Um, some, like, I don't remember. They, they invent islands, I think, for these Godzilla movies. And, like, Godzilla, because of where he we left with him from the movie before, which I think was Invasion of the Astro Monster, if I'm getting it correct. Um, like, I'm not exactly sure why he ends up where he, like, who cares? Whatever. It, it's just fun and silly. And like, there's, I mean, a woman character shows up and then she's just like set dressing for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, this is problematic, but it's also Godzilla. So you know what? I'm going to give it a pass for now. The pass was problematic. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. This is still the 60s. Japan is got problems just like the u.s does and any other place but ultimately it was fun and i liked it was sillier maybe than even some of the other ones but and didn't but it didn't have as many small models and wasn't quite as together like it doesn't need to be i don't want it to be completely together as a godzilla movie but like a little more than i got in a beer but it was still fun yeah i rewatched guardians of the galaxy because jill wanted to watch that and i was feeling sick and that's probably my favorite Marvel movie. And it's one of the only ones that I think is particularly good. So that was fun. I watched The Illusionist, which was which was an unproduced Jacques Tati script, which means that it's more or less features, I think, Hulo, H-U-L-O-T. I think that's the character from the Tati movies. I've only seen Playtime. I'm sorry. I don't know the rest of them. And it was a it's an animated movie, The Illusionist, and it came out in 2010. It's very melancholic and kind and and bittersweet but i was also moved by it a little bit and it's the triplets of belleville people it's the same people who did triplets of belleville i think it's the same director and same animation team i'm not positive um but it looks really good there's like almost no dialogue again and i really like that and it's just kind of a sweet sad movie and i don't know i really it got me i've seen better stuff and it's maybe a little there are maybe moments in there where I'm like, ah, I kind of, we're just doing the same thing over again, but good. I watched some short called Gigi from nine to five. I don't know why it was in my list. I don't know why I watched it. It's this like seven minute, minute musical, very low budget, but it's kind of amusing. Then I watched a bunch of animated films that you, short films that you sent me, including one you didn't. Well, you're um, running out of battery. Did you want to 
save this for later and actually have a segment on it? Let's let's do a segment on it. Some maybe next time. I have maybe a I'll pile. Watch. I've I have some Spank. I have a DVDs of Spankmeyer shorts I didn't know I had. So I, I've got a pile for you. So let's, let's schedule that and have a real conversation. Yeah, we're gonna talk just for those who are who. If anybody watches this, we're gonna talk Spankmeyer maybe and and you know Quay brothers. brothers and maybe it's Norman McLaren. Yeah, and what was it, Jerry Trunka? Is yeah. that the hand? Yeah. Anyway, so we'll do that next time. What am I watching uh, this week? Uh, we're watching probably two-ish new movies again. We're doing Pervert's Guide, like you mentioned, but we're also doing uh, probably Palm Springs. And Ammonite, maybe? And Ammonite, maybe. Um, I might watch some other ones. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably going to watch another Godzilla movie, and there's some stuff on Criterion that I want to watch before it goes. I've been trying to get Jill to watch it, but also I've been off this week, and, you know, that happens. So that's, that's what it. I've got. That's it. That's all. We're done. Thank you for joining us. I hope you Bye. enjoyed this. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>